Imagine what would happen if, let's say America, 350 million people, what if they all became magnificent overnight? What would happen if you're the one that's at the, the helm of controlling this gigantic thing and now you've got almost half a billion people and they're brilliant and they're getting along and it's working out. But the way that someone that could have uh, a certain degree of control, whatever that may be, that control may seem threatened by the unity or the transcendence of all the people. So some people theorize, well, war is meant to keep people at a lower evolutionary level. You have wonder what you would be able to do if you were the ultimate version of you, right? You would then have an easy time creating what you want. And yes, effortlessly enjoying life too. Now, you may know this already, the influence you have over your reality is far beyond what you've been told. Soon, you realize that your outer world is merely a mirror of your inner world, and we're here to connect the dots for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to God. I think today's topic is really important, especially in what's going on in the world right now, and I'd love for you to, to lead us off, Brady, if you would. Yeah, well, everyone knows who Elon Musk is, and if you don't, leave the rock you live under, I guess. <laughs> he did this interview with one of my favorite podcasters, Lex Friedman, and he starts talking about the conflict over in Gaza with uh, the Israelis and the Palestinians. And there's a few important distinguishments that have led to a lot of wheels turning in my head that we want to double click on today. Mm. The first is that A, not all Palestinians are Hamas. And B, the way to peace right now is, to, is, is through empathy, is through being able to see life through the lens of the other person and putting yourself in their shoes. Now that's hard if the culture um, has a, a long entrenched history of eye for an eye. And a lot of people operate in eye for an eye being their, their policy and their whole MO. It's very value level three, right? We talk about that at length in spiral dynamics and value levels. But when the whole culture is wrapped up in the idea of if there's a wrong, I must also execute a wrong in order for that to be even. And Elon may- Oh, if I may point please. out something really interesting. As a war occur or a major conflict occurs, it actually can push people backward in value evolution. So if someone or a culture is evolving into value level four, which is, you know, strong government, um, organizations, and, and there's, you know, there's a lot of structure to society, all of a sudden if there's a war, it will reverse them into value level three or even two or even one where it's pure survival. People are limited by their filters and what they've experienced, right? So in the last hundred years, there's been a lot of wars. So even if the individuals out there that are in power, they could have great intentions for themselves, for their family, for the society we live in, yet it would be difficult for them to see through that lens. So unconsciously, certain decisions may lead to conflict. No, that totally checks out. It falls in line with what Elon Musk was saying in this in this podcast that that came out today, right? And he is looking at the Gaza conflict from a mile high view and saying, really, what are the next steps, right? We're at a bit of a stalemate right now where um, the Hamas militants have shored up most of their defenses around Gaza. And Israel has amassed something like, is either 350,000 or, yeah, 300,000 reservists, right? So they have completely fenced in the Gaza perimeter. But they haven't invaded yet. And this long-awaited ground invasion um, that Netanyahu's talked about um, hasn't happened. But they've continued to store up their supplies and reinforce their uh, different positions. But the ground invasion hasn't happened yet. 
And so everybody's in a bit of a stalemate watching it. In fact, the entire focus of the United States is almost shifted away from the Ukrainian conflict and completely focused in on Israel being our number one primary ally. And Elon said this, he's like, you know, we're because no real full-fledged invasion or counter-strike has occurred yet beyond, you know, conventional bombing and other conventional tactical warfare, the real invasion hasn't happened. So what can they do right now? How could we, what steps could physically be taken? Look at the chessboard. Here's all the pieces. And he says this, Israel needs to do something that can undeniably, unequivocally be shown as an act of kindness. Because right now, it's if I had to guess, the Hamas militants are likely not going to be the ones, if there was you're looking at Camp A, Camp B, they're probably not the ones that are going to be willing to do that. They, they struck first in this invasion. And Israel um, is likely... It's not, almost like, uh, you know, the Marvel Universe, what would Captain America do? Right. And that's tough because also there were... A whole, there was a whole music festival of people that were obliterated. And there were families drawn out, dragged out of their kibbutz and their homes. So it's like, why would I want to approach anything with peace? Why would I want to, to offer any kind of olive branch at this point? We're in conflict. And this is frustrating because it's not just this. It's the thing that happened to my neighbor. And it's the thing that happened to my, my grandfather and his. And there's been this longstanding conflict. Now the two-party state solution didn't fully come through. And so it is a complicated conversation. But it certainly is worth looking at through the lens of both people. What is it that uh, the Palestinians, and, and more specifically the Hamas militants, what is it they can do or are in a position to do? And what can Israel do? And so Elon said, if they could do some kind of clear act of kindness, the strategic value behind that is that if there was any retaliation to that act of kindness, let's say it was propping up uh, beautiful refugee camps or whatever, there could be a long list of things that Israel could potentially do in this stalemate. But whatever it is, if they were to do it, and then there was some sort of retaliation, well, that would look terrible for the retaliators. Because look, they're trying to offer peace. Now they can spin it and twist it, but over time, true de-escalation of this conflict could start, and we're talking about one of the world's wealthiest men who has designed rockets that take off and then land using the exact same components. A guy that revolutionized the vehicle industry. The first guy to bring uh, a brand new automotive uh, car to scale since World War II. There's been no other automotive company that has gone to mass production since Volkswagen, and then it was Tesla. So it's not like Elon is some random dude. He really knows his craft. And so he's saying, if we're looking at all of the tools on the table, all of the chess pieces, the best thing to do is an act of kindness, which is putting yourself in the other person's shoes. And it's really hard sometimes, but we wanna to talk today about how, what steps we can take to, to start making that easier for them across the ocean and for you in your own life. We're talking about two groups of people operating in different levels of resources. True. Right? Or with different levels of resources. Uh, one group of people have more. One group of people have less. I don't think people can argue with that. Uh, secondly, the ability to access more resources. One group has more. One group has less. Then the, the significance of their value level difference because of access of resources are different, their value levels are different, hmm. which may place one or the other in a significant disadvantage when it comes to power, when it comes to freedom, when it comes to a number of other things, access to more resources. Um, now, think of it this way, value level threes, they're thinking us against the world. They feel like they are surrounded. They feel like the whole world is crashing on them. 
They will do whatever it takes, whether it's lose-lose, win-lose, or whatever it is. And, and, I, and keep, keep this in mind. When I said lose-lose, they don't care what it takes as long as they can take down the enemy. That's a lose-lose mindset, right? It's something very, very, you know, damaging to self and or the group. And so, you know, listen, everyone who's listening, I hope and pray that you're all safe and healthy. The, the, when you look at value level three, when put under extreme stress, they may even digress and go to value level two where they'll listen to whatever their leader says. And or they may even digress to level one where they're just about surviving. They don't care about anything else. What does someone or what would someone do in that situation is not logical necessarily. Mm. Then you look at a population where there's more resources. Technically, there's a lot of value levels, two, three, four, five, and perhaps even beyond. And then in value level four, there's a very interesting thing is that there are some extremely religious people. Value level four is where they thrive, right? And they believe there's right or wrong. Now, some people will say it's wrong to do any harm to others. But some people in the same group will also say it's wrong for anyone else to possess this land other than us because that's what our religion says. Now, I'm not saying either side is right or wrong. What I am saying is the two sides will have strong beliefs, one for survival reason, one for organizational, religious, and or other reasons that are very prominent in, in the spiral dynamics, the level four, right? Now, when you compare the two group, you cannot reason normally with each other because they're functioning out of completely different priorities. They're functioning out of completely different value systems. So what one group will do to the other makes absolutely no sense to that group. And when this group is like, well, we got to get back at it, well, this group is completely helpless. They may have done some damage, but they're pretty helpless. So I think that one of the reasons why there's not a lot of movement from Israel, go, I mean, in terms of like ground invasion and stuff, mm -hmm. well, sure, partially is casualty, but partially I think many are aware that this is a pretty helpless group, unfortunately, and that if they were to go in, it would, it would just not look that great. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of civilians that has nothing to do with anything. And so it's a complex situation in a sense that values of the individuals, are, they differ greatly and differ greatly across the entire population. So because of that, there's a lot of emotions involved when there are lives involved, when there are family lives involved, neighbors, friends' lives involved. But if we were to zoom, of it. zoom way out, we got to understand that borders are made up. It sounds really radical, but think about it. Borders are made up. These are boundaries, imaginary boundaries that humans have made up to separate literally people that have different values and different beliefs and different access to, to, to resources. So really, we are all human here, unless we don't think we're human somewhere, right? We're human. We may look different here and there, but the borders are literally made up. 
-hmm. made up. And they're imaginary. And you know, this is a very strange concept because look, we're not here to talk about the same stuff that you're going to read or hear on Twitter or on other podcasts. It's easy to put the spotlight on a war and say, oh my gosh, this side is right, this side's wrong. But that's taking on the value level four lens and say one is right, one, one is wrong. And if you're on one side, you're likely going to think the other side's wrong, right? But if we were to look at the world in a more value level five, you begin to look at, well, where is the money going? And where's the money coming from? And you begin to follow the money. And unfortunately, when sometimes a lot of money is involved, things become less about people. Definitely. It's the concept of profit over people, right? But then when people begin to uh, ascend beyond value level four, I mean, and five, right? They begin to realize people are actually more important than profit. However, you can't go convince someone in value level five that people are more important when they're in value level five because their neurology simply just don't understand. Then when they get to value level six, they're like, oh my gosh, this whole time. I've been damaging the world just because I've been caring about profit more than my family, more than my kids, more than my neighbors, more than my friends, more than anything and everything. This is not meaningful. Money's not buying me happiness. I need to focus on humans and or resources on earth, dolphins, whatever, animals, right? Trees. And, and you know, like sounds like I'm kind of joking. I, you know... I'm not really, but like, you know, value level six is literally that group. They've made it. They've made the profit. They no longer, you know, like it's like something you've gotten, you've gotten all the way and you no longer care for it because you've, you've done it. Sure. And at that level, they realize, wow, what about humans? And then they, they begin to consider, well, it's not just humans. If you just care about people and just care about how magnificent people humans can be because look even even if we label innocent what does innocent really mean is there any human that's ever in truly innocent except the the real like young kids right so what does innocent really mean and even kids have pre-programmed behaviors from their parents and, and their environment right mm. what does innocence really mean that's a hard thing to define that being said people that have demonstrated extreme behaviors tend to be labeled not as innocent. They're just humans that have been programmed to act a certain way that have negative consequences. So if we can zoom out that way, look, I mean, it's easy for us to do it here because we're kind of far away from the conflict. At the same time, I must argue that the world is more connected than ever. So as, as you know, leveled as we may sound, this is quite personal and in a sense that you know these are human brothers and sisters out there there's no reason for them to lose their life well and it may not even be the full story you know it's if you i saw a theory and and some people said oh there's very likely they punched not. holes through all throughout it right but the suez canal is the fastest route for trades and shipments to get to europe um, from other places otherwise you have to go all the way around the horn of africa so for trade routes 
you want to run your your cargo ships through the Suez Canal. The mile high of the theory is that if you remember, actually, last year, there was a shipping uh, cargo container ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal, got stuck sideways, and it cost something like $900 million in global trade loss because they couldn't get this ship out of this narrow passage that everyone uses to move ships back and forth and move inventory and, and cargo, right? So there was a, a theory that there's a new place, a new river that they were planning on carving out, and it's called the Ben-Gurion. Uh, canal, which as you remember, we've flown into Ben Gurion in Tel Aviv before. And the theory was that this new canal would be able to double, triple the ability to move um, freight through this um, through this passage. But that canal went right up to the main strip of Gaza and they wouldn't want to split profits with it. So, the, you know, what I'm saying, the reason I'm bringing this up is because we really don't know at the end of the day what the highest, most uh, intentions of this conflict are. But what we do know is where our biases occur relative to the conflict. And so when it pops up and you go, oh, I'm feeling strongly about this way, there's a really important pattern to quickly grab and identify and go, whoa, why? You know, but there are, there's so much more to it. And when a trigger for me would pop up and it would give me this response, I'd be like, well, why? And I recognize that there's a bias and we all come pre-equipped with biases. Our brain navigates the world by putting labels on things and putting things in boxes. It's a faster, more efficient way of moving through life. But those biases and those boxes are not necessarily factual, objective, middle of the ground, 0.0 reality. They're just biases or they're labels. And so over time, we stack these up one on top of the other. And then when we approach a situation, all the labels with all the, the boxes so true. come all out once. And then I just apply this broad generalization to a thing. And, and that doesn't really serve me all the time. And I think that I'm pretty good at catching it, right? Because now through upgrade, through learning with Michael and with you, I've become more self-aware. So now I'm like, I'm constantly on patrol for it. Where are my biases? Boom, I got it. I catch it, whatever. But then when I get like a really innate gut response, it's so close to the chest that I'm not even aware that it's a bias responding. I just feel there like it's go. core truth, right? There you go. So there are two components here. One is based on our value levels, we're going to observe different things in a single conflict like this or even or, or a conflict in daily life or in business or anything, right? Or in relationships. Based on our values, we're going to observe different things. Well, secondly, how close does it hit home? How close does it hit home, right? So, for example, I've been invited to go to South Africa quite a few times. Well, most people don't know, but one of my cousins, who my mother absolutely adores and loves and was great friends with because she's, she's an older cousin, um, passed away in South Africa during a robbery that went wrong. Right? Oh, wow. And it was incredibly unfortunate. She was an incredibly nice person. And um, ever since, my mom's like, don't go to South Africa. I'm like, that. she did happen to live in a very dangerous region of South Africa. And that does not speak for the whole nation. But for her, it hits so close to home because it's one of her dearest friends and family members she cannot, cannot process any invitation for me to go there. Oh, wow. Right? So for her, it's like, I mean, I could go anywhere in the world that wouldn't trigger her, but that one place. Wild. So imagine what happens if people grew up in, in, in Pal Palestine and in Israel, and then they have these 
close encounters with each other that were extremely negative. Family members and friends and brothers and sisters were killed. What kind of trigger? They, their biases will come up as a survival mechanism. They can't even consciously, they don't know how to. Right. Without these tools, right? So if we take that lesson and apply it into our personal lives, where are we having these biases that hit so close to home? Those are the ones that we need to closely examine. Because for humanity at large to really evolve, we got to evolve by looking at the things that trigger us the most emotionally. The things that trigger us the most emotionally are the biggest lessons that we get to learn from. So some people ask me, they're like, hey, William, so how do you upgrade the mind? Where do you even start? Well, the, the simple answer is what triggers you the most emotionally, both in personal, romantically, or in business, and any other area, right? Not just both, but like all of the areas. That's where we begin. Because when we solve that, and that's why we're interested in helping solve the problem in that region, because that's one of the strongest conflict that's mm -hmm. last the longest time. And if that can get resolved in a way that's actually win-win for the world and for anyone who may have any sort of different interests, if there's a way to create not a yes-no, not like a binary one-zero, but a one-one, a true win-win-win-win-win across the board, which there is always a way, then that allows for an incredible upgrade for all of humanity. Hmm. But it starts right here in our own personal lives. Is it my mom having the ability to resolve whatever she's biased toward? Is it maybe someone who's wrong, my mother? Right. I remember being a kid and hearing about things that someone has wronged my mother. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so pissed off at this person. I didn't even know what actually happened. I just knew my mother was not, was complaining about it or, or was hurt or sad, saddened by it. I'm like, wow, this person is a sworn enemy, right? But as I grew older and learned what I learned and understand what I understand now, I'm like, wow, my mother was not in a resourceful state because she didn't know how to respond to this. And that person was based on using their bias, their generalizations, responding to this situation in a way that they were pre-programmed, both parties are not actually at fault. If I step out of a value level four, right, wrong approach, I can see how they can reconcile, right? So same thing in business. Like I've had situations where I'm like, wow, I heard a story about so-and-so who did something so seeming so terrible um, to themselves, their family, their kids, you know, whatever, I'm like, how, how, I, how do I see the magnificence in this person? Not easy, right? Especially when it sounds very, you know, and, and in fact, I have had to coach clients through seeing like maybe a spouse cheated on them, right? Right. How do I help them see the magnificence in their spouse? That's a tough one. You would think. Right. Um, at, at, yet at the end of the day, when you really dive in and understand this key statement, and we can end here, is the intentions and behaviors need to be separated. 
Intention and behavior are two different things. Intention don't always translate to behaviors that fulfill them. We may have good intentions, but behaviors that are not productive. Think about the intention level. How many Palestinians and Israelis are just wanting to protect their families? Right. There's nothing wrong with protecting their families. There's nothing wrong with loving their families and wanting to provide a good environment for their families to grow up in, but their behaviors are translated into conflict. So somewhere in between intention and behavior, something went wrong. Same thing with a husband and wife who, you know, one party cheated on the other. Well, the intention could have been wanting to be loved, and and trained, you know, like and and I'll tell you the real story. But I, without disclosing names, the husband found the wife no longer attractive because she gained so much weight. But he didn't have the heart to tell her, and for some reason, he thought cheating on her was okay because she wouldn't find out. Because he felt like she doesn't love him because she refuses to work out. Right? Interesting. Yet this whole time she loves him, but just didn't know. In his mind, the priority was her fitness and how she looks. She thought that was too superficial, and that he should still love her no matter how many hundreds of pounds she she gained. But the reality was the male brain didn't function like that for him. So in his mind, he also knew how much it would hurt her if he told her she was overweight. So he chose not to, and he went and cheated on her, went down a slippery slope. And then, well, but then when she understood, his intention was not trying to hurt her, and he just didn't know how to communicate that. That became less about, well, does he not love me? It became more, how do we communicate in the future, and so that our priorities are aligned.、Hmm. That resolves the problem, right? Same thing in business. Well, business partners having conflict oftentimes has nothing to do with them wanting to take the business or or do something terrible to each other. It has to do with how they were brought up, how they were trained, how they were trained to to behave.、Um, you know, employer-employee relationship, same thing. It's like maybe one person is trained to act a certain way, and the other person is trained like, I'm going to work all the time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Why is my boss not recognizing this, right? Well, it's not just how much you work; it's, it's, is the work really effective? Is it driving the the top line and the bottom line, right? And and vice versa too. It's like, well, why is so and so not working, right? All of those, we need to look at: is the intention and the behavior aligned so the outcome yields exactly what the intention wants? And that's a the signature. Signature part of the operating system of a value level seven, someone who's extremely effective, I, and I think that if we were to upgrade humanity, everyone should strive for value level seven type of intention matches behavior matches outcome. Because if the three lines up, oh, the human race will be, I think, several thousand, maybe several hundred thousand years ahead. In probably a decade or two, we'll see you guys in the next episode. <laughs>